Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up? It's your boy, the Ted Smith from the men's room. And did you know I have a podcast? Well, I do. The podcast. New episodes uploaded every Wednesday on the Odyssey app. Unfortunately, what you're about to hear is real. The members of this radio program are simply not that bright. Or what some people would call educated. They are merely stupid. They're not trying to offend anyone on purpose. And all have played doctors on TV. You have been warned and are cordially invited to join the party. This is the men's room. Forget it, man, and get with the countdown. Get, 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 get with the countdown. Shake this square world and blast off the kick drill. The trippers, the grasshoppers, the hip ones, all gathered in secrecy and flying high as a kite. This is the men's room with Miles and Thrill. You know what they say, shake your radio more than three times, and you're playing with it. You're listening to The Men's Room. Wow! And away we go! Welcome to Season 19, Episode number 4039. Along with Steve the Thrill Hill. Three Ted Smith! And my car! Montgomery! Thank you. Hard Men's Room. On Ted, today we sample some Men's Room Radio on a Bad Choice Friday. The return of Ted versus the FCC. Plus headlines, a Men's Room Shot of the Day, fun with listener emails, and everyone's favorites, TV Time with Ted. Click, clack. Drink it a drop. All right, here we go. A gun used in the Civil War has been found in a Gettysburg Walmart trash can. Jeez. Meanwhile, an Amish family goes to Walmart. Their horse and buggy, stole by some man. Family denied request to cut down a tree in their yard, then guess what happens next? <laughs> Firefighters brave frozen river to rescue a family dog named Rex. And to Maine, where a semi carrying potatoes gets mashed. That is all coming on today's very special episode of The Men's Room. And now, here's the question. <laughs> Hola, bitches. Good day to you and yours. All right, actor Ryan Gosling recently nominated for the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for his role in the Barbie movie. Now, let's just say movies have been influencing him for a long, long time. Believe it or not, he was suspended from first grade, already impressive, for throwing steak knives at other students. Now, was he a psychopath? Well, yes, obviously, but he was inspired to do so after seeing the movie 
first blood. After that, his mother forbade him from any more R-rated movies. As he put it, I thought we were in the movie. Now, movies, they can have that effect on people. Uh, look, like Navy recruitment skyrocketed when Top Gun came out. The sale of clownfish went to the roof after Finding Nemo was released. And the Catholic Church, believe it or not, got a big boost when The Exorcist came out. Now, that said, movies aren't even nearly the only thing that can influence us out there. Literally anything can inspire you to try something new or make a life-changing decision. Hell, I heard the Dr. Demento show when I was eight years old, and somehow I knew then that I'd be in radio. Just heard the show, it left no doubt. Sadly, my father was a technical writer, and I knew I did not want to do that. Sorry, Dad, but look, most of the time, the apple falls a little closer to the tree. Football player Joey Porter, right? He was a linebacker who played in the NFL most of his career as a Pittsburgh Steeler. His son, Joey Porter Jr., is an NFL quarterback who just played his first season as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Eddie Van Halen died four years ago. Actually, today is his birthday. Died about four years ago, but his son Wolfgang is carrying the torch, and most of Wolfgang's musical talent comes from hanging out with his dad and watching what he did in the studio. And if you ever look to see how many modern-day celebrities are the children of other celebrities, put it this way. I know two auctioneers. One is our very own Mike Hawk. The other is our very own Mike Hawk's father. But look, movies, family, a radio show, military service, a billboard, a dream that you had, a song lyric, anything can lay down a significant influence on you. And sometimes that influence is good. Sometimes it's bad. Like the guy that watched Ocean's Eleven that robbed a bank and was a fugitive for about the next 50 years. But that leads us to today's question. We want to know, good or bad, who or what inspired you? To be a part of the big show, call 206-803-ROCK. You can like The Men's Room on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Men's Room Live, and send your emails to The Men's Room at KISW. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The debauchery rolls on. You're listening to The Men's Room with Miles and Thrill. 99.9 KISW. Oh, but tell us away we go. Welcome to Season 19, Episode number 4039. What a large and a charge program we have for you today. Guaranteed future repeat. On this oh-so-positive Friday. Positive Friday. Exciting return of Ted versus the FCC. What a late night we had last night. Coming up with some tongue twisters for Ted. Lo and behold, came in here today, and uh, we have a listener submitted Ted versus the FCC. I'll be done. And it's about Chuck. And uh, Chuck, who uh, really can't cut the chunky cut from Kent or from Connie. I thought maybe Chuck just didn't give him. He didn't. (laughs) No. Chuck is the subject of uh, this week's Ted versus the FCC. And then as a listener uh, submitted request, as you can see, it came in uh, January 22nd. Ooh, we should have yeah. caught that. That is very fresh. We wouldn't have been up uh, so late last night. Oh, what else do we have for you today? Oh, lucky you. You get more Men's Room with the Men's Room Happy Hour exclusively on Odyssey 
and the Odyssey app. By the way, if you do have the Odyssey app, search for the men's room on there. And then when you find our page, as far as just our daily podcast is concerned, anytime you happen to miss uh, maybe a show and you like to catch up, all you need to do is subscribe to that. And it'll automatically appear, so when you're ready to listen, oh. you get all the stuff there without having to search around and everything else. It's like magic. Yeah. So if you uh, listen like later on in the evening or whatever, just uh, subscribe to the men's room, and uh, from there, it'll take care of all the rest. Uh, today on the men's room happy hour, episode number 531, we're going to throw a little party today mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. honor of the uh, of the happy hour. And uh, hopefully, uh, you can join us. Uh, just tune in to uh, the men's room happy hour page or uh, channel. It's on the Odyssey app. Search for the men's room. You'll see it. We go live at 6. Otherwise, that channel is nothing but 24 hours worth of some of the previous episodes uh, from this fine radio program. Yes. So it's basically a 24-hour men's room channel, but at uh, 6, we go live for the men's room happy hour. What else do we have for you today? We will drink and toast into the weekend with a shout of the day. Then, of course, it's Bad Choice Friday. You know it's Bad Choice Friday. It's Bad Choice Friday. You know it's Bad Choice Friday. This is your fault. Yeah, believe it or not, uh, if you also check out the Odyssey app and you happen to uh, search for the men's room, you'll see that we have our men's room radio channel. Yes. Uh, that was our opportunity to basically put together our own radio station. So we each got to pick 50 songs apiece. We did this uh, last year. This year, we have added each one of us. 50 brand new tunes, so it's an entirely different playlist. Sure, some of the songs might uh, have been picked again, but either way, it's all new music on the Men's Room Radio. So it's up to you. We've had a couple of listeners who have tried to guess who made said picks. Right. But what we did today is we randomly picked a couple of tunes from the new playlist in Men's Room Radio, and we're going to pit them against each other. I'm glad you told me that, because I've been wondering all day, why are we picking these two songs? Both of them are fine. Yeah. I just couldn't figure out the connection. See, that's how much I pay attention that's to exactly everything right. going on on this program. Choice number one on Bad Choice Friday would be from Ice Cube. Freaking brothers every way like MJ. I can't believe today was a good day. Today was a good day from Ice Cube. Keep in mind, there's all kinds of different genres of music on the uh, Men's Room Radio channel. Mm-hmm. Everything from country to rap to rock to, to metal. It's, it's all there. So we, uh, it, it's got tons of variety on it. So if you're looking for something a little bit different, put it on over the weekend and enjoy. Ice Cube, today was a good day. Taking on the band known as Madness. Our house in the middle of our streets. Our house in the middle of our Well, I thought it was weird that the house was in the middle of the street. That's what I always pictured when I was a kid when this song first came out. Like, why would it be on the side of the street? Yeah. Who the hell lives there? You know, I got to drive around your house yeah. in the middle of the street. Madness in our house taking on Ice Cube, and today was a good day. If you happen to uh, follow us on Twitter at Men's Room Live, poll is up, uh, up, vote for one of those two, and we'll play it right after we drink a toast into the weekend with the shot of the day. And today on our question, we're going to talk about uh, inspiration things that inspired you, whether it was a person in your life that made a a very important difference, uh, whether it was a decision that you made based on something, somebody else you looked up to, Mm -hmm. or bad decisions based on peer pressure, friends, maybe uh, watching something on television and trying to replicate that. I go back to my own, uh, I believe, four-year-old life. I believe I was four years old at the time. Uh, My mom had uh, got an apartment and it was in a duplex, and it was just, uh, it was a very small duplex, maybe the size of, let's say, like a double-wide trailer. So there's right. only one bedroom on each yeah. side, very small kitchen, very small living room and a bathroom. Uh, that's where we lived. 
And the guy who lived next door was the guy that owned the property. All right? Okay. So he was like the man, which meant that all of the things that he used were at that house. So lawnmowers are, are outside sure, sure. in the shed. There, there was a uh, a ladder that was uh, lying up against the side of the house for whenever he wanted to clean his gutters and everything else. Well, I had just got done watching Mary Poppins. And my mom always had an umbrella by the door. So I decided that I was going to prop that ladder up against the house and I was going to climb up on the roof and I was going to jump off with an umbrella. Now, I had this plan for a while. The problem was this. I'm a four-year-old boy, all mm. right? I have one friend in the neighborhood. We both rode our big wheels down the hill. This is what we did all the time. As many times as I tried to get that ladder up, I could not get it up by myself. Sure. So I enlisted the help of my buddy, and between the two of us, we could put the ladder and lean it up against the roof, which is probably only eight feet high. It wasn't crazy, but it was... No, but I mean, if you're four, it's you're kind four of tough to do. Old. Yeah. And we're kids, and we figured out how to do it. We kind of climbed it up there, and then I was going to be first. So I uh, went up there with the umbrella, and I jumped off, and the umbrella basically popped inside out. Yeah, because that's came, what happens. I came tumbling to the ground, and at that point in time, the umbrella is trash. So now we're trying to figure out, and I hurt my knee and, and hurt my side, but everything else, we're, we're trying to figure out, how do we get rid of this umbrella? So we decided to take it way over the hill and throw it into the Ohio River. So that because we did not want my mom to know yeah. that I destroyed her umbrella. So that thing went floating down the river, and that was the last we ever saw of it. But I was inspired by Mary Poppins, which was not the smartest thing in the world to jump off a roof. But when you're a kid, movies definitely hold more of an influence over you as far as bad decisions you're going to make. Right? Yeah, sure. You brought up Brian Gosling. Here's a guy because he's. Six going on seven, seven going on eight. Either way, got suspended in first grade, which is super impressive to me. But throwing steak knives at other students, and as he explained, his mom took him to see First Blood, the first Rambo movie. And one of the things he did in that movie, man, he, he managed to stick a lot of people with that big-ass knife he had, right? Mm -hmm. And he would throw the thing from 20 feet away, and he'd nail them, whether they're running, whether they're standing still. So Ryan Gosling, being a kid... He hid them, I believe, in his Fisher Price like lunchbox or something. So no one knew that he had these things. Popped open his lunchbox, started throwing them. But to him, he's like, no, they'll be fine. Right. You know. Well, I remember, hey, look, man, all, I had two or three different friends. They had, they had just from their big fans of Bruce Lee movies. Yeah. So they had everything from nunchucks to throwing oh, yeah. stars to these spears uh, and would practice, you know, in the room, throwing them against their wall. Right. Not not against like a dartboard or anything. Into the freaking drywall of their house, you know, and their parents obviously didn't care too much because obviously they know that their kid has an entire uh, arsenal they bought of weapons, them. you know. And they yeah. would get new throwing stars, different shapes for, for the holidays. And these were really quality throwing stars. I, yeah. I don't know how much they cost because that was not my jam. But, I mean, as far as the inlays on them, the artwork that was in them, the, the metal work that was involved, sure, the fact sure. that they were actually, you know, four-sided blades... I don't know where you would buy one of those now. I'm sure you could get on Amazon and get one. Oh, you can get them. My I son mean, has a friend who gets all that kind of crap now. Yeah, there's always oh, yeah. one kid, as I remember. And, and that's mm -hmm. my one, my son's one friend. He's that particular kid. And he's a decent kid. Yeah. He just likes his kung fu arsenal. Right. And, right. My, my and we used to just go to that crappy store in the mall. Like, every mall had one. Had, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sold that stuff. It sold, like, the weird lighters and, like, the switchblade comb. Right. Mm -hmm. Chuck Norris was, uh, was, was a big deal back then, so I had a number of friends who, you know, took karate just because they... Karate were, Kid. There was a big increase in people that wanted to take karate after that movie. Sure. Yeah, you know, absolutely. For, for me, as far as movies go, man, it, 
I think the one movie that had the biggest imprint on my brain, and it's something I still hold to this day, when the original Amityville Horror came out, I don't know, nine or ten years old, I remember watching that movie. That movie scared the hell out of me. But one of the things they did in that movie all the time, which showed the exterior of the house, mm-hmm. to let you know something bad was going on inside, and it was those barn-style windows yeah, on the second floor. And to this day, even my wife and I were house hunting. And like, well, what are you looking for? I'm like, look, we'll know what we want to buy when we see it. But I can tell you right now, one thing that's completely off limits to me is a house with those freaking barn windows, man. And, and I the know barn shape of the house. The, not the shape of the house, but those windows specifically, right? So when you went up to the okay. second floor right. of the house, they're, I guess they're barn style, barn shape, something like that. But in that movie, every time they showed the exterior of the house and showed those windows... You saw something that you couldn't figure out what it was, but you knew it was bad. You know, the mm-hmm. glowing red eyes, all that crap. And, like, to this day, I'm like, won't do it. Yep. And also, if my house tells me, get out when I walk in, also, I'm not buying that. But Yeah, get out. But, yeah, the barn windows. I'm like, to this day, and it's so stupid. Like, everyone got through the Jaws phase. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I will get in the ocean now. But for, what, five years after that movie came out? Like, nope. The uh, One of the cooler kids in my neighborhood, I was probably... 10 years old, 11 years old, uh, these kids could drive. They were 16. So when you're 11, you're not you're not quite at that. You do like girls a lot, but you're not really dating anyone. Sure. And nothing's really happening. You're kind of in, in that limbo world of, you know, like from girls being icky to now, oh, I'm really attracted to girls. They stop being icky all of a sudden. But uh, there was this guy in the neighborhood, man, and he and his pack of friends, they were all probably 16 because, well, the one guy drove, so I know they were. But... Um, he had a uh, a firebird that looked like Smokey and the Bandit. That was a great scar. All right. But at that he age. always had a girl in the car with him. Sure. He had a solo mustache. Mm-hmm. And he also would wear a cowboy hat. He looked like Burt Reynolds <laughs> in Smokey. And the, so obviously. Quite intentionally, I'm Obviously, yeah, this, right? this, this was his influence. Yeah. And the car was badass. And he always kept it washed. It was always waxed. Of course. It always was shiny. He had the T-tops out of it 99% of the time, unless it was raining. Even when he was just parking in the church parking lot, which was down the street from us, but we would uh, go past there either coming to or from school. He would be in the parking lot on a Saturday, Friday afternoon. He and a couple other buddies who had their cars, and they would stand out there. They would sit out there, and they'd drink beer. And they had at least five or six of what I thought to be the most beautiful, well-developed women <laughs> sure. in all the land. Yeah, I mean, right, right. they were the coolest. They were smoking cigarettes. I mean, you name it. But when you looked at him, man, it's just like, that guy's so cool. He's just like Burt Reynolds. Just right? like Burt Reynolds. I mean, that was a badass movie. Like, you know, that, that, that was cool. And he, he played the part. And sure. It, and it worked for him. And it worked. It worked, it worked well. And somebody here says, Jaws had a great impact on me. Long story short... I was 14. I flew to Rockville, Maryland, spent the summer with my aunt and uncle. They took me to see Jaws. Then after that, we went to Ocean City, which, if you don't know, is a beach town. We went there for the weekend. I refused to get in the water. There you go. That's my Jaws story. Now, your story is the same as everybody's Jaws story. Like, wait a minute. You took me to see this movie. And keep in mind, when the movie came out, it was the first, quote-unquote, summer blockbuster. So all those families that used to love to go to the beach... Like, hey, man, we're going to check out this big-ass movie we're hearing about. And then you take your kids to the beach, and you realize no one is getting in the water. I mean, like, nobody at all. Lifeguards basically didn't even have to show up because no one's going to drown because no one's getting in the water. Well, my stepfather, we would go to Ocean City every summer. Now, he had had this guy that he knew that, that would allow him to rent a place for a week. That place was in a development. It had a pool. Yeah. It wasn't on the beach. It had a pool. I was perfectly content. I was swimming in the pool all day long. I loved it. 
couple of years go by for whatever reason. Either that guy sold that place. I don't know what the deal is, but we ended up staying in a different location. No pool. So my stepfather told me that where we were going at Bethany Beach, the okay. area we were going to, that sharks did not swim in the water there. Of course he told me. So that I yeah. would get in the water. So that's when I first got my first boogie board because I, I was terrified. I was like, I, I am not. He's like, look, sharks don't come to this area of the beach because there's too many families here. And I was like, oh, that makes sure? sense. That okay. makes a lot of sense. He's like, yeah, they try to avoid uh, things like that. He's like, they, 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 they go to other places where they, they want to fish for, you know, whatever they're eating and stuff, but, but not here. So I was like, okay. And that overcame my fear. I believed him. Of, yeah, because you believe in the water and riding away. He's not terribly wrong. It's not like, generally, it seems like it's Florida sure. or even South Carolina. Generally, there's not too many attacks up uh, up the mid Atlantic. No, the problem no. was Jaws took place off the New York coast, New right? Correct. And, yeah. Right. If they had said it happened in Florida, I don't think people would have been. Great white sharks well, absolutely and, and, migrate up and down through yeah. there. They do. Yeah. Right. And Jaws, the problem was like, the actual story was New Jersey, but it's supposed to be like Martha's Vineyard, that island. Yeah. So, and now it's funny because Massachusetts has a great white problem. Yeah, because of the seals. Because of the cover bands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so our question, good or bad, who or what inspired you? 206-803-ROCK. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. <laughs> 99.9 KISW. The shenanigans continue. This is the Men's Room with Miles and Thrill. In 1969, Theodore John Conrad pulled off one of the biggest bank robberies in the history, in the history of Cleveland, Ohio. At the time, Conrad was a 20-year-old bank teller at the Society National Bank. Near the end of his shift, investigators say he walked out with a paper bag containing... $215,000. Now that equates to about $1.7 Then he disappeared and was never seen again. Conrad started a new life in Linfield, Massachusetts under a new name. Thomas Randell. Now, Ashley Randell didn't know Conrad as a former bank teller on the run. She knew him as her devoted father and a pillar of the Linfield community where he sold luxury cars for years. He was a very calm, nonchalant guy, not someone who was ever looking over his shoulder. In hindsight, authorities think Conrad started his new life in Linfield, and that might not have been a coincidence since it was close to where the 1968 movie The Thomas Crown Affair was filmed. Aha! Uh-huh. According to oh, investigators, I this story. All right, yeah. a year before the bank robbery, Conrad had become obsessed with the movie starring Steve McQueen. It was not until on his deathbed in 2021 that Ashley learned the truth about her dad. She said her father was watching NCIS when he mentioned the years-long search for him. I mean, it's shocking, right? I don't think anyone ever expects their father to sort of nonchalantly say, Ladies, just in case something comes up you know, after I pass or whatever, I just want you to know that when I moved here, I changed my name. The authorities might still be looking for me. Uh, she said since her dad casually just went back to watching TV, it seemed like a joke. Until I very quickly realized, Dad's not joking. When her dad came clean, she looked up the name, Theodore Conrad. When her father's story checked out, her heart dropped. I looked him up, shocked is an understatement, she said. It was crazy and also a little scary. 
Well, months after her father passed along of lung cancer, U.S. Marshals knocked on the family door to try to crack the case. The knock on the door, terrifying, she said. But she said authorities immediately put her at ease, and there was never talk of potentially trying to charge her or her mother. Finding out your father or your husband is a fugitive when he's dying, I can't imagine anyone in that moment saying, well, the right thing to do is to call the cops. You know, the right thing to do is take care of your family and make sure that the last few weeks are comfortable. Now Ashley has created an investigative podcast series called Smokescreen, My Fugitive Dad, to share her father's story. My Fugitive Dad. I like that little uh, tagline there. Yeah. My Fugitive Dad. That is a a bizarre, what did he do with the money? And if he was living this nonchalant life Mm -hmm. and had all these things, uh, as far as that cash... I, that would be my question. It's two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. But consider the year this went down. I don't. The way things are regulated now, the way uh, interest rates were back then. I think if you bought a house in cash, then there weren't a lot of questions. More than likely not. That's what I'm curious about. In a house back at that point in time, so you can buy twenty five, thirty five thousand dollars. Then maybe, put a little in the bank, right? Maybe fifty thousand dollars at the most. Other than that, uh, you, you you still have one hundred and fifty some thousand dollars. Sure, if not more than that. Keep it under the bed, you know, and use it as a vacation, well, something like that. I, mean, I, I just think you spend the money. I think if you take the exact amount of money or you have like, you just bought a, you know, $50,000 house and you have $165,000 in the bank account, but red flag's going to go up saying that's $215,000. That's what I'm saying. I think he probably kept a lot in cash. Right, and but think about it. So back then, if you wanted to travel somewhere, now we go to what Expedia, mm-hmm. one of these things. Well, back then you physically had to go see a travel agent, or you had to physically go to the airport and buy a plane ticket. But if you did it in cash, no one batted an eye. So I think there's a lot of little, really nice, awesome things he could do for himself along the way. Slowly pulling down the money, but buy your house, buy your car. Yep, keep it out of the bank, and then hey, baby, you want to you want to go to Hawaii? She says, Oh yeah. And you grab, I don't know how much it costs them, so you grab five grand from under the bed. Mm -hmm. You go see a travel agent, here's my cash. They wouldn't even think about it. Because credit cards weren't even used that much back then. No, no. He would just want to avoid writing checks. Nowadays, if you had 200 Gs in cash, Mm -hmm. right, you basically would still use, like, your normal income and stuff to buy big ticket items. But think about, you'd probably spend more money on a car or something when you know that, like, your spending cash is just cash. It's just cash. Yeah, like, you could could do that, you could... I mean, it's tough because they know all the bills, but like I feel like you could you could live a nice lifestyle. I absolutely do. Maybe not so much now, but I think then, yeah. sure. Well, when everything was a cash transaction, I mean, hell, you want to go grocery shopping? Hey, baby, here's three hundred bucks. Yeah. Right? It's cash. Nobody uh, thinks about it. You're talking about um, how what what inspired you to get into radio, Doctor Demento? When I was uh, a kid, much like you, at a tape recorder, I would make just uh, bits and things and yeah. record them into the tape recorder. Play them back, see if they were funny. I would call the radio station all the time. The radio was always on. Are you actually call what to listen to your bits, or you just call them? I would call them anytime that they had a like a love it or shove it or any kind of a sure, question sure, or anything sure. like that. The night DJ was very active at the time. So yeah. like you know, he'd have the the top ten at ten o'clock or you know do different segments. But he was always you know looking for requests, suggestions, everything else. So I used to call all the time because I'm a kid and you know I have I have an opinion and I want to be on the radio. So of course I called constantly. It just so happened. That my neighbor, who was two doors down, he was a general manager of a radio station. All right. So, and he, I thought, was the coolest guy in the world. Not only was he the general manager of a radio station, he was an ultimate tech geek at that time. That's right, like all the great audio gear. And he all had, like, the first, 
uh, projection big screen oh, TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not clear anything, just a big-ass uh, projection TV. Yeah, it was awesome. It, it, it was watching any kind of sports, of you name it. It, it was the stereo in that home was top-of-the-line stuff. He had a video disc player. There was a satellite right. dish that was six, eight feet across in his backyard to pick up satellite TV channels. All of these different things. He drove a cool car. The radio in his car was cool. And basically, his whole life, in my mind, was radio, which is music and fun and yeah. all that stuff. And that's it. So I you know, hung around the radio station about 14, 15 years old. There, was two, there were two guys uh, that were on the air, the, the night guy and the morning guy. And they both went out, and they did mobile dance parties. So there would be group high school dances. There would be individual dances at junior high schools. Looking back, you know they hated that. All kinds of different. Oh, they 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 liked it because it was one hundred percent cash. I think they all made like you like the cash, but well, yeah, they did. a dance party for junior high schoolers like oh, three to four hundred dollars, you know, a night doing this. Well, the thing is, is that they needed help. So at my age, I could go with them, go to a you know a high school in a, in a different county, set up. Again, I'm 14, 15 years old. I'm there at 9 o'clock. Dance shuts down at 11. Those girls I've never seen before. <laughs> They're playing music. Oh, yeah. Everybody's coming up to the, to the, you know, the DJ uh, table I, you know, asking for requests. Uh, I had girls pull me into the dance floor just like, you know, for slow dances. Yeah. And stuff, oh, right? okay. Slow and dance. at the end of the night, uh, Kevin or Lacey would pay me in cash. They would give me twenty five bucks for every time that I helped them out. Uh, they could have they could have gone and set it up all by themselves. This of is course. just them paying me under the table. Yeah, yeah. And I would go to all these different. And I'm like, man, everybody loves these guys. Everybody knows who they are. Everyone listens to them on the radio. Uh, they are the coolest people in this room right now. They're getting tons of attention. And even though they were adults to me, the girls were on my level, so they were doing it for a job. I'm doing it because you're surrounded by girls. Plus, none of them know you. No. Yeah. So that that helps. I work at the radio station. Right. You know, like, that's a big deal. Like, that's cool, right? You're there with them? I'm not really working at the radio station. I'm just helping them set up and tear down. But that's not how you sell it. Their DJ equipment. I know that. I was never going to sell that. I wasn't being paid by the radio station. But uh, that was was one of the main reasons that I, I really just wanted to be able to do bits, go in, and and do radio. Because... It just did, it seemed like something that would be enjoyable and something that would be fun. Yeah, other for sure. than you know watching my stepfather put on a suit every day. Yep, go to the dry cleaners, all these things. And at that point in time, that was an influence on me as well. I said to myself, if I ever do anything, I just don't want to do something. Look, I'll I'll do maintenance work. I will do I'll do landscaping. I'll be outside. I am not putting a suit on. Agreed. I, yeah. I did not want to have any job that required that I put on a a, a uniform. If I was a fireman, different because that, someone else paid for it. Correct. And like you said, you know, going to the dry cleaners at least once a week, all this crap, shining shoes. And he never came home and said, I love my job. He never came home and said, I hate my job. No. Right? Never complained about it. But I'm like, you do this five days a week, eight, nine, ten hours a day. And the best you do is come home and not complain. Like a good day is that mm-hmm. you didn't have a bad day. Like, no, thanks. And when, I you, don't ex- even know what and you, and when you explained to me what you do, it, I, half the time I didn't understand it because there was a lot of litigation, uh, there was a lot of contract law that he did. He did do trial law, which I did find interesting depending on the case. Yeah, but it depends on the case. It depends on the right. case, but it, it, that was not the action. It wasn't like watching television where lawyers do their thing. It was a much different job than I thought it was going to be. Of course. It was long hours. He made good money. Don't get me wrong. Nothing, sure. nothing wrong with that. But it just did. It seemed too serious to me. It just seemed like he was never really happy. 
Yeah, I mean, same thing. My dad was a technical writer, which for years, I didn't even know what that was. I just know I didn't want to do it because, like you said, you wear a suit and it sounds boring. And when he explained it, basically, he is the middleman between, as it would be these days, a new computer program comes out. But for the consumer to understand how to use it, he's the guy that figured it out and then wrote, like, basically your instruction manual. Right, right. So when you opened it up, he's the guy that explained to you how to use this program. So he'd have to get trained up and all this stuff. And I understand he was a very smart man. Obviously, and he was a very meticulous man, very articulate man, all these things. And I'm like, nah, definitely leans a little bit more toward my brother. Then my mother, on the other hand, she worked in the fashion industry and everybody in the fashion industry, don't be fooled. They're all crazy. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. <laughs> but when when she hosted a work party, like they are dancing, booze is flowing. I'm pretty sure they're snorting cocaine in the bathroom. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's how these people roll. And kind of like your DJ guys, she would bring me along around the same age to help her set up fashion shows like The Ramp, staple the carpet down, all this kind of thing. But when you're there, like you're at a department store, right? There are models walking in. And again, I'm at that age where I mm-hmm. recognize that they're models, but it was still fun. Yeah. Like it was a good time, man. And I'm like, whatever I do, I'm more likely to do this than I am to do whatever it is my dad's doing. Because when he would host a work party, everybody showed up. Yeah, they had quiet cocktails and all. I'm like, but this is no fun, right? Like you're here because they made you come. Oh man, I'm not going to party. It's just like, do you mind if I bring Ephraim? Oh. He is just wild. Well, well, I mean, the, the, you the, had the, a boy. The, the dance, the dance, the school dances, and all that stuff. It wasn't that it was wild. It just gave me an opportunity to meet. Sure, girls. sure. But when they would do, they would do bar gigs at roadhouses. They would do wedding receptions. So when you go to wedding receptions, everybody eats. You're allowed to eat. Like people are having fun. It's a wedding. It's cool. Uh, the bar gigs, I'm, I'm 15, 14 years old. I am in a bar. Now, right. I, I don't remember the rules. Kids might have been allowed in there. I, Who knows? I mean, I remember sitting on a bar stool as a kid with my dad in a few bars, and that was no big deal where he, where he regularly drank, but that's different than going to a bar where you don't know anybody and you know people are throwing down and having a great time <laughs> yeah you know, i saw tons of fights i saw you know tons of hot women people making all out. the good stuff yeah, when you're a teenager bars are just cool yeah. yeah right and, and i didn't try to sneak beers or anything like that that, no, that, no. that was not my mo just being in the environment is fun yeah I'm you, just know? Like, you know and yeah, you just right? described the perfect dude movie hot chicks and fights Right? Like, I mean, any yeah. movie that guys gravitate to, chances mm-hmm. are the women in it are hot, and there's certainly a lot of fights. It was, the, the pool tables were a quarter. That's why we have ring card girls. You know what? That, watch this right. brutal combat sport. And for the one minute in between these guys beating the piss out of each other, look at this hottie walking up yeah. here. Hey, you know, go to live boxing. Go to live <laughs> MMA. Doesn't matter what the level is. There will be some attractive women in that That, that is oh, very, yeah. Oh, yeah. very true. As far as uh, some movies that uh, influenced people uh, and inspired them, this guy says uh, from a Reddit discussion group, uh, pumping iron helped motivate me to work harder on my diet and go to the gym. That was uh, Schwarzenegger, right. right? That was honor. Correct. Now, I know a lot of people. Well, like, there was a lot of people that. in that movie. What right. was the premise of the movie? I mean, is it just I think it's him, him going for his like third Mister Olympia, Mister Olympia, Mister Olympia, and Mister Universe? I, I don't remember. I think it's Mister. So wait, was it a documentary? Sure. Classic documentary about the sport yeah. of bodybuilding and far, far, follows Arnold as he competes for the title of Mr. Olympia. There's also Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> I was going to say, Lou Ferrigno's in that. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple people. Is the 1975 competition. Yeah. People forget, like, Lou Ferrigno is the hawk, but also, like, he's one of the original bodybuilders that you know. Mm-hmm. And then he was always in, like, those World's Strongest Man contests. Yep, yep. Didn't he also Magnus for Magnuson is obviously the, the GOAT. Right. Tony Atlas was another guy that was always... Yeah, I remember him. That. Yeah. yeah. 
Wasn't one of the two of them the first one to have like 22-inch arms too? Something. Arnold just has some classic lines in there. Right? There's like a scene of him smoking a joint. And then they ask about drinking milk. And he's like, milk's for babies. I drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm telling you, like, I mean, it is, he has some just classic lines in that movie. Run, fat boy, run. Do we, have anybody ever, I don't even know if I remember I've heard that it one. said, but it wasn't a movie. That, yeah, I heard a lot. Uh, <laughs> that is Simon Pegg and who's the other dude that always worked? Nick, uh, right? I know there's a guy he works with a lot, but I, I don't know his name. I think that's the movie. So what is it about? It's something with like him and the ex-wife, and he's trying to impress his like daughter that basically he's lost custody of or whatever. So he has to run. He's like, I'm going to run a marathon. Okay, but he's like out of shape. He's always in the pub slugging beers, and then I think he ends up doing it. But it's like a big deal. Says it uh, got me back into running. I just thought, Evett, if he can do it, I can do it, and I went for it. Good. At least these are positive ones. La La Land inspired me to learn how to play piano. I grew up playing music, but stopped when I started working. I saw La La Land for the first time and had my first piano lesson last Tuesday. Really? Damn. Good for them, man. School of Rock got me to start playing guitar. We were talking about this uh, just a couple of days ago. Say what you want about Kiss. They went on their farewell tour. Uh, Played their last show, I guess, as a tour. I'm sure maybe they'll pop up somewhere, but who knows. But uh, either way, if you ask a lot of people... In the music industry, what was their inspiration? Now, whether you think they're cheesy, which they are. But of course they're cheesy. Whether you think they're musically just average, uh, you know. They're, which they're, they are. That's debatable as well. Uh, I love Kiss. I'm a Kiss apologist, so I, I'm not going to fall into those camps. But so many musicians were inspired to pick up the guitar and not emulate Kiss, just wanted to play an instrument and be in a band. Hey, look, I'm a Kiss apologist, but they are cheesy and they're average musicians. But they were the first band, at least for my age group, that made. I thought it look. you told me that Gene was actually a pretty uh, competent early. A- and Ace obviously was. He a- has chosen. I don't know that you have to, to say Kiss competent. apologist anymore. Right, because like, I, I right like I I've never been super into Kiss. I remember my brother was obsessed with it, but I feel like at this point everybody I know that loves Kiss is like, yeah, I know what it is. I love Kiss. We recognize what it is. Yeah. But, but they <laughs> but they made it look fun and it was different and it was crazy, right? Because I yeah. mean. You could have Aerosmith, you could have the Beatles, and the Beatles, you go, yeah, you get a lot of chicks. Zeppelin, yeah, yeah, you go, yeah. wow, man, that's a really good band. Still didn't look fun. Kiss came out, and you're like, this is Halloween and rock and roll wrapped into one. There's this explosions, blood, right? Fire, confetti's dropping out of the sky. Like this is like going to the circus on Halloween with music you like. Like that's the way to do it, man. And I think that's why a lot of people ended up picking up their instruments, mm-hmm. not because they were blown away with the music, but like, dude. That is the most fun you can have playing an instrument. I'm sorry. There was no band before that, and really not so much since that, except maybe Crew in their heyday, where it just looked fun. And they also, to me, they're like, look, I go to a lot of different musical acts. Rock shows put on the best show. They absolutely And I feel like Kiss, because they started all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like rock shows just look awesome. There's pyro, there's this, there's that. They might be drinking on stage. Motley Crue's got the booby cam. You're just like, oh, this is amazing. But it it crosses all genres. I mean, Garth Brooks is Garth Brooks because he was inspired by By Kiss. Kiss. Tom Morello. Kiss. It right. doesn't matter what style of music you play. What you do. You're, Tom Rell, angry rock, we know, other than the Night Watchman stuff. Sure. I mean, he's, he's pretty poignant. Kiss. But, I mean, Rage, you think about them, they're not, that's not happy fun. Garth Brooks, like a country guy, country megastar. He's like, oh, I heard Deuce from Kiss, and that, that's why I started playing. Yeah, I mean, it's like when I saw Future in concert, who's a massive rapper, I looked to my buddy and I go, he was smart enough to steal from the rock crowd. 
Because there was pyro, like all these uh, lasers. Right, right. Make it fun. And there wasn't 10 dudes screaming at me. <laughs> Good or bad, who or what inspired you? 206-803-ROCK. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.